It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill back with you. Thanks for coming back once again. We have a lot to get to in this podcast. We're going to talk about another heartbreaker for the Mariners as they fall to the Red Sox in the ball game last night. Man, another tough one. James Paxton could not have pitched any better. He was brilliant, but the Mariners can't find a way, and the Red Sox take game one of the four-game series. So we'll detail that in a few minutes. A conversation I really think you'll enjoy. We're going to talk Hall of Fame. Graham Womack writes a weekly column for the Sporting News on the Hall of Fame, and it's really an excellent conversation. He details some of the changes that were made by the Hall of Fame in terms of committees and votes for players getting into the Hall of Fame. And the end result is he thinks that, well, we'll talk about it coming up, but it involves Edgar Martinez, and I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Jared Apoto, the trading deadline has come and gone. We're going to hear from the Mariners general manager on the deadline. That comes up in a few minutes. Taiwan Walker made a start in Tacoma yesterday, so we'll hear from him about how that went. So big podcast is always coming up, but let's start with a little heartbreak yesterday as the Mariners fall to the Red Sox. First things first, though, James Paxson was absolutely sensational. The 2-2 swing and a miss for strike three. Another slider strikeout. That's punch out number four for Paxton. He's fanned the first two to begin the sixth inning. Paxton goes into the windup, the one-two. Ramirez stares at strike three as he destroys home plate with a couple tomahawk chops with his bat. A slider hits Hanley Ramirez, and the side is retired in order. Five strikeouts through seven scoreless innings tonight from James Paxton. He was great, and the Mariners took the lead late in the ball game. The pitch to Lee, he swings, lashes this to right center field, and drops it for a base hit. Cano had to hold, Bradley dives to pick it up, Acta's waving in Cano, he scores, Cruz gets the stop sign, throw in his second base, Lee is safe. The Mariners get a run, it's one to nothing in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Mariners finally break through against Eduardo Rodriguez. But the M's could not hold it. It was a solo home run off of Paxton in the eighth, and then in the ninth, Ciszek aboard, Ciszek uh, on, and he gives up a long ball. Here's the next pitch. Swung on line drive, deep left field, going and going. Goodbye, baseball. Mookie Betts with a leadoff home run here in the top of the ninth. The Red Sox have the lead 2-1. to one. And that was it. One of the best there is to close out games. Craig Kimbrell came on. He shut it down. And the Mariners fall to the Red Sox. And another heartbreaker. So they've lost the first game of the series. 
Changes now at the back end of the bullpen for the Mariners. Here's Scott Service. Well pitched game, you know, up till the end there. But uh, yeah, the plan in the ninth inning, you know, with uh, the three righties um, coming up and uh, strike, they had about 150 off strike. Uh, right-handed hitters do so. You know, that was the thought behind it. Um, obviously, Steve has struggled the last couple times out, and you know we, we probably need to look, you know, where we're headed um, you know, in the short term anyway to get him back on track. Um, anybody that's ever tried to do that uh, role, it um, you know you need confidence. You got to believe in it, and he just you know he's he's made some uh, some rough pitches the last couple nights. Have you determined what the best course of action is to get him back on track? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. You know, we probably you know. Um, Take the gas off a little bit and, and, and try to get him in some some better spots and, and maybe not when the game is on the line all the time and, and get it back going again. But uh, you know, tough ball game tonight. I thought Paxton threw great. Um, he was really on top of his game. Uh, I felt good about uh, you know running him back out there in the eighth uh, where we're at in that part of the lineup. But you know, he, he made one mistake. We had you know chances to score a few more runs again. Um, it's kind of been the theme. Uh, disappointing. We got to execute. You know and. Uh, you only score one run, your, your margin for error is not very big, and, and that's that's what got us tonight again. So how you Diaz up as well? Were you looking if you had maybe a lead, or was it just a one batter? Yeah, you know, I didn't really want to extend him tonight. He'd been back-to-back, uh, you know, in Chicago, um, you know, and even in the ninth inning, you know, um, Shrek was not going to face Ortiz um, if it got to that point. Obviously, uh, you know, Betts uh, put, you know, put, the, put them ahead. Uh, they're leading off the inning. But, yeah, I was trying to stay a little bit. You know, use Diaz, but not be, maybe not for an extended stretch. If you, if you back off Steve, sound like you've indicated Diaz. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing the ball great. You know, obviously, I do think, you know, I've said all along uh, with him, he's 22 years old. Uh, he's never pitched an entire major league season, you know, through September. So, you know, you're going to have to watch it. And, and um, you know, the three in a row, uh, the stressful innings, the number of pitches and where we're going there. But, uh, you know, that's obviously the, the, the logical choice. And, you know, he's ready for that. There's no doubt. The strikeouts with bases loaded, that's been kind of an issue the last couple of months. Have you seen anything? It's just approach? Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, it seems like the, the pressure mounts on our guys. And pressure comes from within. I'm a big believer in that. The pressure's on the pitcher. He's got the bases loaded. You know, and, and try to we get out of our, our, our normal realm, maybe trying to, you know, again, the, the, the cliche, trying to do too much. There does come a point where you just got to hit. You know, you get a good pitch, you put a good swing on it, um, instead of you know feeling like I have to get this running. It usually doesn't work out when you when you take that approach. So uh, we've got to slow it down. Um, you know, and it's been our Achilles heel all year. You know, the number of games we've been in um, that we've had a chance to extend leads that we haven't, and it has come back and gotten us over and over again. So um, we're aware of it. Uh, our guys are aware of it. We we got to do a better job. Seventh inning, did something? It was tough to tell. Did something happen around third with Cruz and Cano? Um, you know, the ball in the gap that Dayhole hit, uh, you know, Robbie did not take off right away. Um, then he realized, yeah, it was going to be in the gap. So Robbie scored easily. Um, you know, coming in, you know, where Cruz was at coming around third, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if he could have made it or not. You know, Manny decided to hold him up. There's one out in the inning. Um, you know, we had chances, you know, to, to drive him in after there. But, uh, you know, could he, should he have scored? Uh, you know, who's to say? But we certainly had chances after that to drive him in. Yes, you know, the, my argument was you have to come back inside the line to touch the base. And his argument was he never got in the 45-foot line. And, you know, when you go back and look at it, 
Um, he was right on the line. Uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, the game's about anticipation, and, and the umpire was obviously anticipating him being inside the line. And when you're looking for something, sometimes it's easy to find. Um, in my opinion, he, he was right on the line. He was on the dirt. You know, if you look between the dirt and the line, there's about two and a half, three inches. You know, uh, but when you finally get to the base, and that's where the ball was and where the action was, you have to get inside the line. So, um, you know, close call. Um, obviously, it didn't go our way, and big, big play in the game. So expect to see Edwin Diaz at the back end now, and no question he can handle the role with his stuff, his demeanor, and the way he has pitched so far this year, although it certainly will hurt the Mariners in the seventh and eighth innings. He has pitched so many high-leverage innings, high-leverage situations with the game on the line in the seventh and the eighth innings, so somebody will have to pick up those situations, and it's going to be interesting to see how those situations develop, but... Edwin Diaz has certainly been brilliant this year, and uh, we'll see how he thrives in the late-inning role now with uh, the Mariners backing off Ciszek in that role. So now the M's take on the Red Sox tonight, 7-10 first pitch. They'll try and get even in this series. Wade LeBlanc will take the ball for the Mariners. David Price, who's been up and down for the Red Sox, will go for Boston. So the Mariners will try and get even in the series. Right now, fun conversation coming up. We're going to talk a little Hall of Fame well, this is going to be a fun conversation and one I'm certainly looking forward to as we connect with Graham Walmack now. You can find him on Twitter, at Graham Dude. Also, you can find him everywhere. Great writer all over the place. You can find him, too, on the Sporting News. He writes about the Hall of Fame, a weekly column, Cooperstown Chances. And, Graham, this is what we're going to start with, which is very timely right now for Mariners fans. Obviously, everyone enjoying the glow of Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame. And very topical this time for the Mariners. We'll get to some of the other possibilities for the M's, but let's talk about the Hall of Fame in general. You wrote a very interesting piece about some of the changes for the Hall of Fame that are being made in terms of of players getting in. Detail some of those changes for us. For anybody who doesn't know, about a week ago, the Hall of Fame Board of Directors actually made a series of really progressive uh, changes. It's it's all about getting more recent players into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, we're not talking guys currently on the writer's ballot like Edgar Martinez, uh, at least at the moment, but the changes primarily concern their Veterans Committee structure. Um, but as before, they had had the, the committee split up by eras. There had been an expansion era. There had been a golden era. And then there had been uh, something that was unfortunately called the pre-integration era, and Negro Leaguers actually weren't even eligible under it. So the Hall of Fame fixed a number of things last weekend. First, uh, for the earliest era, it's no longer called the pre-integration era. Negro Leaguers are eligible again with it, which is good. Um, and then the golden era and modern era were actually split up into three uh, three eras. Uh, the, the earliest is golden days. It spans 1950 to 1969. Uh, It'll now be there used to be votes every three years for golden era and now it'll be once every five years and then for 1970 to 1987 uh, i believe it's called the modern era and then 1988 to current is called today's game both of those will be every two years basically within a five-year period so every five-year period it'll be twice it's a little convoluted but basically what it means is that you're going to be seeing a lot more modern players starting to get into a committee which is important because you know the recent the recent glut of candidates in the steroid era has has just really really filled up the ballot and you know made it got hard for guys like edgar to get in and a bunch of other players as well and then 
some of the other changes that used to be that after you got done on the writer's ballot, you had to wait a year before before being eligible with the committee. They dropped that. So guys like Alan Trammell, Mark McGuire, Don Mattingly, they could all be on the today's game ballot this fall. So Edgar Martinez, you mentioned Edgar. First of all, are these changes, do you think, going to help Edgar? And do you think Edgar deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, so... Absolutely. First off, Edgar absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's arguably the the greatest designated hitter in baseball history. You know, um, I I've got family up in Seattle, so I remember watching the 1995 American League Division Series, and you know that, that dramatic uh, that dramatic hit that he had. You know, to score King Griffey Jr. and win the game. That's one of my all-time favorite moments as a fan. And I'm not even a Mariners fan. I just happen to really love that moment but I mean he did so much beyond that it's not surprising to me that he's had a little bit of a hard time on the writer's ballot he's actually if you look at it historically he's actually done pretty well um, I think I haven't looked exactly I think he's around like 40 50 percent of the vote generally if you get that high of the vote you are either going to go in through the writers and get the necessary 75 percent or you have a really really good chance of going in through the going in through the committee eventually a I, I want to say it's something like a 90 percent chance I mean it's it's really high so Martinez has a chance of, of being able to hit the necessary 75% with the writers within his 10 years on the ballot. I think more than likely he will wind up being a committee candidate. And, yeah, this absolutely will help him. He's, he's the biggest thing that helps you with the committees is the, the, the amount of times you can get in front of them and the frequency because you want to be able to build any kind of momentum and then cap, capitalize on that. And so, yeah, somebody like Edgar is right at the top of the list of people who would benefit. Of course, the Mariners just had their first Hall of Famer go in in Ken Griffey Jr. If Edgar doesn't go in in the next uh, few years, Mariners will have another one, it looks like. I I don't think there's any question that Ichiro will end up being in the Hall of Fame. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he'll be in. He'll... I would expect he'll be a first ballot selection. Given the loyalty of Japanese fans, I I already think that his induction weekend is going to be the most popularly attended one. I yeah, I mean by any number of reasons, he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I will say by sabermetrics, there are a few players who who rate arguably better than him who aren't going to get anywhere near the votes, but. That's a testament just to to his appeal as well. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy who looks good both by stats and then by you know, a range of other intangibles. Are there any other guys you look at that are out there right now who are not in and in your mind should be getting in? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, so I've, um, I've run a, I've run a project uh, five times now, having people vote on the best players not in. I did it four times at my personal website, baseballpastandpresent.com, having people vote on the 50 players not in. And then I did it once for Sporting News this past year, having people vote on the 25 best not in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can talk about this at length. I mean, I could probably name you 20 guys off the top of my head right now. A few of the big ones for me, Alan Trammell, Bobby Gridge, Buck O'Neill, uh, Dick Allen, Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, uh, Lou Whitaker, Ted Simmons, you know, guys like them. Well, you mentioned a big one to me, Buck O'Neill in particular. I, I think there's guys that uh, really transcend the game, and Buck O'Neill is one of them. What he, His contributions to the game alone should get him into the Hall of Fame, and the fact that he is not there has always been a shame to me. I really think and hope with these changes that Buck O'Neill goes into the Hall of Fame. I would argue that uh, getting Negro Leaguers back on is 
almost entirely because of Buck and just the the, the uproar over it. You know, it's uh, it's just sad. I mean, he was he was eligible when the when the Hall of Fame had a big Negro League committee uh, convene in the early 2000s. Um, he was still alive when the results came out. I believe they inducted 16 contributors and. He didn't get in. Uh, he was famously passed over. He had enough grace that he actually spoke at the induction ceremony. And then, you know, sadly, he died a few months later. But it's never too late to right a wrong with the Hall of Fame. I mean, obviously, it would be posthumous, but he 1 million percent belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, absolutely no question for his contributions. And then also, too, one thing he was quick to point out. Yeah, he could play. Yeah. I mean, he he was somebody who wasn't just a great ambassador, you know, from the Ken Burns series. He also was he was a defensive first baseman. He could hit for a bit of power. Um, you know, he was he was a very worthy player. I wonder about a couple of Mariners, current Mariners, and I know we're projecting way down the road, which is always hard to do when guys are in the middle of their careers. But Robinson Cano, for one, he's really starting to stack up some pretty impressive numbers for second baseman, just past Ryan Sandberg for extra base hits on the all-time second baseman list. And also Felix Hernandez has put together an impressive resume. What do you think about those two, again, projecting, but what do you think about those two right now in the middle of their careers? Yeah, I mean, those are the first names that come to mind for me for Hall of Fame candidates with the Mariners. I think Cano is going to have a really interesting case. I think he'll he'll be around 3,000 hits. He'll be around a 3,000 life or a 300 lifetime batting average. Uh, sabermetrically, he rates actually pretty well as well. I mean, I, I tend to place more emphasis on on those numbers myself. But uh, he's somebody who's going to have a pretty worthy case. The only thing that might be hard for him is if, if he doesn't get 3,000 hits, if his batting average drops into, like, the 285 range, you know, he could be, like, another Lou Whitaker or a Chase Utley or, you know, Willie Randolph. There's there's a lot of good second basemen who might have, you know, who have their Hall of Fame supporters but, you know, haven't come anywhere close. Jeff Kent's another one who comes to mind. So, you know, for Cano, it's going to really these, – these next two years for him are crucial – you know, as for Felix, I've, I've, I've looked at his numbers a bit, um, and he's already starting to amass a really good case. Um, I think the thing that hurts him is that, you know, obviously he pitches for the Mariners. They have a phenomenal uh, pitching park, uh, you know, um, and he's, he's done really well. But he's not getting probably the win-loss record that he would get on a team that consistently contends. Because, you know, the Mariners, like, they have plenty of years where they're winning 85, 90 games, but then it's just assume they're, you know, swinging back to going like 72 and 90. And, you know, if Hernandez pitched for a team like the Yankees or if he pitched for the Dodgers, I, you could probably tack another 20 or 50 wins onto his career total, which might be crucial for getting him in the Hall of Fame just by the way that voters vote. So it's going to be really interesting. Well, the Mariners fans still feeling a lot of pride. Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame, the first Mariner in the Hall of Fame. How would you encapsulate Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, going into the Hall of Fame, the weekend, his career, the whole thing? Well, to me, the, the biggest thing that sticks out, um, you know, is I, I think Ken Griffey Jr. had two halves to his career. I think he, you look at the years that he had with the Mariners, and he was one of the best pure hitters in baseball. I, I remember going to a Mariners-Rockies uh, game in 1998 or so. I've got family up in Seattle, so we'd go up periodically to see him. And I remember th – this is memory, so I'd have to double-check this, but I, I want to say my memory holds him hitting like four doubles to right center in one game and just, just this beautiful, beautiful swing. Then, of course, 
he winds up getting traded. You know, he winds up demanding a trade to the to the Reds. So that's okay his first year, and then it's just injured pretty much the rest of his career. I think if he'd stayed healthy, there's a chance he might have the most home runs out of anybody for his career. Um, definitely, you know, it um, it took him out of the conversation for being the greatest player of all time or close to it. I mean, he's an easy Hall of Famer. He deserved to be in first ballot, but you can really only wonder with injuries with him. But I have to say, one of my all-time favorite players ever ever watching him play. He just he was a joy to watch when he was with the Mariners. Well, this has been a joy of a conversation. Graham, I really appreciate you taking the time. Your work is excellent. I really recommend people checking out your Hall of Fame article on a weekly basis and also a nice Ichiro article as well. Where can people find that if they haven't seen it already? Oh, the Ichiro. Um, just Google uh, Ichiro Hall of Fame, and I think it's actually doing fairly well on the search engines already. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I uh, would Google Ichiro and Hall of Fame, and if, if, if not reading my story about him, I mean, there's some other interesting stuff about his Hall of Fame case out there. Well, Graham, thanks for the time. Certainly appreciate it, uh, and hopefully we'll talk again soon down the road. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, th- thanks so much for for all the all the nice things you said. And yeah, no, I, I love to talk Seattle and Mariners anytime. So anytime you want to have me on, happy to do it. Now here is Jerry Depoto on the trading deadline. Uh, obviously, nothing else came to fruition after we finished with the Miley Miranda deal, and not for lack of trying to be creative and, and get some things done. We said throughout that we were going to do the best we could to be opportunistic, and the opportunity didn't fall in our lap. The Miley Miranda move, does that fall into the opportunistic? What were you looking to accomplish with that? Well, I think it, we wanted to become a little bit more flexible. Obviously, it was uh, it, with getting Miranda, we get a guy who's just a tick younger does have a little more power, probably profiles to be either a starter or a reliever, and we'll get to sort through it. He also provides flexibility just in his ability to be optioned to to AAA if need be. But you're probably going to see him in the real near future uh, and just see what he's about. But pr- primarily just wasn't really working here with Wade. Had a great start for us on Saturday and, and give him an opportunity to move along, go play for another contender, and we'll start over and, and see what we got. And, here in the, the coming days or weeks, I think you'll see a stretch Nate Corns back out. Uh, probably part of this was the ill-fated move to, to try to transition Nate into a bullpen piece. It just didn't work, you know. And Nate was uh, I mean, Nate was struggling as a starter in June. We transitioned to the bullpen to try to get him going and, and see if that would help him uptick. And, and it didn't work the way we had hoped. We didn't see the stuff move north. Basically the same stuff, and, and uh, the role change didn't help him much. So eventually we'll get back to Nate as a starting pitcher. You know, the, the perception, some people would say, look at the Miley thing and say it's more of a salary dump. Do you want the flexibility as well with the money? I mean, for next year as well, does that provide flexibility? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you can look at it however you want to look at it. We've got our own reasons for making deals, and, and we thought this was something that uh, better suited our organization right now. You know, same around the yeah. Uh, we absolutely, we actually did see him. He made his major league debut here against us uh, earlier in the month. And, uh, you know, Miranda has topped out as high as 96 miles an hour. Average velocity is going to be in Miranda around the 92 mile an hour range, which for a left, he's firm and, and a real good changeup. Four pitch guy has thrown strikes, and I don't know that outside of the velocity and the changeup, there's a special trait. But He's 27 years old, a Cuban defector who signed prior to 2015. He's made the proper progression. And I do think if, if we turn him loose in a bullpen role, we'll see you know some velocity maybe toward the higher end. Like we saw here, he was 93, 95 in June. Or let him start and continue to do the things he's doing. You know, He threw uh, seven shutout innings Friday night. 
for the Orioles Triple A Club, and, and we'll see where we go from here with Ariel. Jerry, you kind of mentioned talking about you, you want to focus on the big league club. You keep an eye on what you can do for down below. How much of a challenge was that with what was being offered to you? I mean, were there opportunities to, you know, okay, if we're going to kind of put this aside right now, we can do this, this, and this. How did you weigh that? Uh, well, the, the greatest opportunities we had were to sell off, and, and that's just not something we were willing to do. We feel like the core of this team is still very good. You know, very difficult for us here. A game over 500. We're realistic about where, where we are in this playoff push. We feel like we have a chance with uh, August and September, but obviously a lot of things are going to have to break right for us. The best thing we can do is focus on the, the good parts of our roster and how we're going to transition 16, 17, 18. And so many good things are happening in our organization below the big league club, and we don't want to forsake that either. So uh, I think we did the right thing. We kept the pieces that made the most sense for us, and, and we found value where we could find value, and, and we're going to continue to look for it, whether it be this month in, in August or we're moving into the offseason. How do you handle a player like Heredia? He's young. Do you want to see him play right now? How do you work him in? Uh, we do want to see him. Obviously, he's going to be in the lineup, but I think you know with Heredia, along with Goody and Seth and, and the, the, the group, we've got Nori out there, Leonis. There's only so many spots to go around. And minimally, you'll see Guillermo get some opportunity here in August. I think you'll see him more frequently in September. But, you know, we have to let a season play out. We, again, we owe it to the, to the veteran players to give them their opportunity. But there is going to come a time where it makes sense to get more of an extended look at guys like Guillermo already. Jerry, there's some, some talk. You guys had some deals pretty close. I mean, how close did you walk up to that line where you might have finished something uh, 30 seconds. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, but that's not unusual in the, in the trade deadline. So we had a lot of things going on, some that came much closer than others, which, which again, is not uncommon. Some that got very deep into the, the, the deal-making phase and just couldn't come to pass. And now Taiwan Walker on his rehab start yesterday. Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, maybe through five or four and a third. Um, but I felt good. Legs felt good. Uh, arm felt really good. Uh, did get tired. Um, just pitch count, you know, threw a lot of pitches, um, you know, just kind of got behind some batters, but, uh, you know, it was good work. you pitching completely pain-free at this point? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely, you know, and, uh, yeah, I feel like anyone who was watching could really tell a difference, you know, getting after every pitch. My video was, I thought was pretty good. Uh, my stuff was pretty sharp, uh, but, you know, just kind of got behind, just kind of a little rusty, get, get back into it, uh, you know, facing hitters and stuff. It's some long innings, too, was it? Yeah, yeah sit there for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I came in though, and uh, you know, make sure I stayed warm and uh, right. did some exercise and stuff. Stay warm. That's not a bad thing. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, put up eight runs. You know, these guys here, man, they really can hit the ball, and uh, no, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, different, but uh, you know, it's fun coming down and hanging with some, some friends and uh, just you know, these guys out here, you know, having fun and winning games and stuff. You uh, you have August sixth circled. Is that um, realistic? You think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I yeah. felt like uh, you know, got off the mound a couple of times. Um, you know, come back here and stuff, and um, kind of broke towards first, and everything felt fine doing that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I felt like it was you know, pretty good. I mean, it's been a month since I you know pitched a game, so yeah. Hold the two-two pitch, swung on, and a high fly ball in deep to right. A chance to go.
What a ball game. The Mariners win it 5-4. to four. We'll be right back. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 